Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and this is a fun series because we believe that every single person who's a follower of Christ has a powerful story of how they encountered Jesus. So you're listening to an episode this summer from our Encounter series. We've heard stories of people encountering Jesus through friendship, church, a book, or even alone in a quiet room. So for this special summer series called Encounter, we're sharing stories of how Jesus has captured the hearts of his people. Today on the show is my new friend, Chris Terry. In fact, my friend Morla Kay Akinison, which if you've seen the Jamie Ivey show on YouTube, you will remember Morla Kay because she was our very first guest on the show. She's an Olympic athlete. She's just all around great. And I reached out to her and said, hey, I would love it if you could find me a college athlete who started following Jesus in college. And she said yes. And she connected me with Chris Terry, who's our guest today. We officially met even just a few days before we recorded this at my church, the Austin Stone. Well, Chris is a strength and conditioning coach for football and women's swimming at Rice University. And he also played four years of college football at the University of Texas Longhorns. Go hook them horns. So Chris is going to share today about growing up in a Catholic home and what that looks like and how he thought he had to earn God's love and finding his purpose. And I love it because two women shared the gospel with him in a summer camp and he put his faith in Jesus that summer. He tells us the whole story. You guys, before we get to Chris's episode, I want to tell you again that I would love it if you would partner with us to build a church in Northern Uganda. Let me rephrase that. Build a church building because you guys, the church is alive and well around the world. In fact, Karuma Church was founded from a group of refugees. They were displaced from their home and they moved to Karuma for safety at the start of the war in 1987. This church has been doing ministry and sharing the gospel in their community for 34 years without a building. So here at the Happy Hour, we're partnering with an organization and we're going to help build them a church building. In fact, this building is going to directly impact 300 local church members in northern Uganda. So the community already has the land, they have the workers, and now they need the funds. So here's our goal. We're hoping to raise $15,000 by the end of the summer, and we want you to help us. Together, we can help Pastor Jeffrey and his members have a building to do ministry in throughout the week. Every dollar that you donate goes to this church, jamieivy.com slash build a church. Again, jamieivy.com slash build a church. I think talking about building a church in the middle of all these encounter episodes is so exciting because if you're a person like me, we want to see the gospel spread throughout the nations. And this church is doing just that already. And we want to help them get a building. All right, friends, here's my conversation with Chris Terry. Hey, Chris, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. <laughs> this is so exciting because yeah. I want to tell the listener how you ended up here. Okay? Yes. Because we've never met until literally like four days ago. Never. Yeah. Never met. Met at church. Met at church. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started this encounter series, I reached out to my friend Morla Kay, who uh-huh. she hasn't been on the podcast yet. She's only been on the Jamie Ivy show, which is over okay. on YouTube that you can watch. And I said, Hey, I'm doing this series. I want to talk to people about when they encountered Jesus. Do you have any college athletes for me? Because mm-hmm. Morley Kay was a college athlete at University of Texas. Right. And she hooked me up with you. Yes. College athlete at University of Texas. So yep. welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Tell yeah. the listener like what you do now and all the things. What's your job? Right. Yeah. So right now I'm a assistant strength and conditioning coach at Rice University. So I train Go football. Owls. Go Owls. There we go. Hoot them. We don't oh, say, we don't, say? Yeah, we don't say hook them, we say hoot them. Okay, have you ever accidentally <laughs> said hook them? Because hoot them and hook them <laughs> is like... So I am so loyal to UT that like at games I'll still wear like my T-ring. So our T-ring you get when you letter for uh-huh. football as an athlete or more than football now. Yeah. It's just all athletes. So I'll still wear it. So when we come and play Texas at DKR, I'll still have my T-ring that on. That is hilarious. And, like, but I all 
navy blue, rice sal, rice fight never dies. So I'm all about it. Rice so, fight never dies. That's what First we say. of all, I yeah. think I think hudum is weird, it and is, I don't want to yeah. offend any rice listeners. Yeah, <laughs> hudum makes me think of like Hooters. Yes, which I'm I've sorry, never been. rice owls. I've never been. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're a strength and conditioning coach. Yes, uh huh. Undercover pastor. That's what I tell people. That's what you call yourself. Yes, that's what I say. Like I, for the longest time, like I've thought about getting into like campus ministry or stuff, but God is just like, shut that door. He's like, you're going to go be a strength coach because the coolest part is, is like, if I'm a campus pastor, I might see a guy or gal, you know, like that we're trying to invite around stuff once a week, mm-hmm. you know, college students are, they might flake at yeah. some point. But with my guys, I have 40, 50 guys running through my platform every single day. So I get all these incredible touch points. And then after we train them, my office is open. So they get to come and sit down whenever they want. So it's an incredible ministry opportunity. I love it. It's more than squatting and cleaning and running sprints. So I hope yeah. my kids encounter someone like you in college. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Okay, but yeah. tell us about, because I was looking for a college athlete. So tell us about your career at Texas. Yeah, so my career at Texas. So started off on College Station, played football at AM Consolidated. And I was an undersized defensive end, so overlooked. And then, uh, God was just so kind to me. Like I actually got to like walk on and play for Mac Brown. So my first year red shirted and then my second and third year just hung around our strength and conditioning coach, Benny Wiley, who's now ironically at Oklahoma oh <laughs> of gosh. all places. So he, uh, yeah. if Benny's listening to this, he impacted me greatly. So uh, hung on to him. He got me like really big and uh, got an opportunity to play on special teams and just run down on kickoff and hit people. And that was my job just was I struggled in the skill department, mm-hmm. but like as far as like running through souls, <laughs> running through people, I was all about and just like launching my body. So that was my career was uh, mainly a special teams player and reserve tight end at the University of Texas. I hate when my kids play special teams. <laughs> you know why? Why? I feel like they're just going to get the crap knocked out of them yes. when they don't even see someone coming. Oh, like, so the incredible part is this. So we actually have GPS devices now that can measure how fast guys are running. And so if we're talking about their top end, and speed some of those skill players so the small guys can get up to around 22 23 miles an hour the big guys so if we're looking at like elite offensive line defensive line players at the university of texas a lot of those guys were hitting 20 miles an hour 21 miles an hour so you're talking about running that fast Chris, six I yards out of the field i can't hear it putting more fear in for special teams so. i cannot hear it yes. oh my gosh <laughs> well i am grateful that you're here and here's my dilemma is I already spent the first 15 minutes off air just talking to you about football yes. and so we're uh-huh. not going to do that now right. because <laughs> if you're a listener you know that i love football and love texas yes. football and i'm so happy that you got to play for mac brown as well but i yeah. also do know that you started following jesus in college i did which is so many people's stories because college ministry i mean literally chris yeah. i heard someone say the other day if you want to feel the pulse of christianity mm-hmm. right now and head to the college campuses yes because so much movement is happening and sure that is. is so exciting for me right and so i want to hear from you like yeah. go back in your family and tell me how you grew up what did faith look like for you as a child and right. then tell me about what happened in college yeah so faith for me growing up And this is where the part that I really love talking about, because we live in America and like specifically like Texas, like growing up at College Station, it's kind of like understood that you're a Christian, right? Uh, Isn't everyone in College Station? Everyone at Texas Texas (laughs) A&M, everyone around, there's a church on every corner. So my background, like, and I've actually got a whole lot more like clarity on my upbringing. We'll talk about it a little later, like as I've lost my parents and stuff, but just like hearing their upbringing as well. So growing up, I lived in a household, two brothers, and then my mother was a devout Catholic and my dad was Southern Baptist. So it created like early on just a clash, 
But like, I never heard my parents like argue or talk about it. All I knew was like, mom was the spiritual leader of our household. And I think a lot of that even like played in the personality. Mom was just like very outgoing and bubbly and talkative. That's where I get that from and very Mm -hmm. smiley. Dad was very reserved and quiet and didn't share a whole lot about his faith. And I even found out last month that my dad's mom, he's from Caldwell, Texas, a small little town. My dad's mom was just the sweetest Baptist, like Sunday school teacher. Mm. Like people love being around her. But my dad's dad, Big John, like he didn't go around the church. So he didn't talk a whole lot about it. So I really think early on that my dad, like that was modeled that the mom was a spiritual leader of the house. And so that was really like what I was like brought up around. Like we were, went to Saturday mass. We didn't go to Sunday. We went to Saturday mass like every week. Like I knew about the catechism. I knew about every single thing about the church, but I couldn't tell you one Bible verse. Mm. And so that was like really my upbringing growing up was like, I was devout. I was about it. I wanted to do every thing and out of obedience more to like not make my mother upset Mm. and then always you know if I did mess up it was like okay God is like really upset with me right now and so that was my relationship early on kind of growing up did you like your lifestyle was it like Mm -hmm. a good person quote unquote so you were like I'm gonna do the thing I'm gonna make my mom happy and I'm gonna make God potentially happy by doing the right thing. Absolutely. So mine, like even our family, we're such a private family. So like my brothers were like really my best friends. We didn't have community where our house was like big enough to invite people over, but it was really just, you know, when I went to school, it was like, how can I get the best grades to impress dad? Mm -hmm. I was a big affirmation guy. still struggle with that. I was going to like go all out in sports, sell out, do the most that I could. And then it was really just, you know, behave you know, work, work, work. And then maybe like I'll have my parents acceptance and stuff. That was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So football brought you to Texas. You walked on your freshman year. So talk about that journey and then getting involved. And I think you eventually got involved in FCA. Yes. Okay. So So, take me back to freshman year. Right. So right as I was like headed to University of Texas. So this is like where I encountered Jesus, right? Which is like the really cool part. So all throughout high school, it was literally like we just mentioned, it was go to practice do your school, go home. Right when I graduated, I thought I was a grown man. I was, you know, <laughs> Don't all seniors right, think yeah, they're grown so, people? Yeah. So turn 19, I was like, man, I'm going to Austin. Like I can do whatever I want now kind of thing. It was just kind of like this like release. I was like, oh my gosh, like mom isn't checking in on me every night. Like I don't have a curfew. So like right before I went to UT, I was working at a summer day camp in College Station And so at the time, like a guy that just was like really struggling with like, like what my identity is, not really secure in myself, like football was my identity, but I was like in this weird transition of between like high school and college, like who am I going to be? Really started mixing in with people who I really respected. So these are like the camp counselors who were inviting me to go out to Northgate, inviting me to be around. And I thought like to really like be myself, I needed to use alcohol as a vessel for that. So Like right as I was like entering UT, I had this brief season where I was like, you know what, for me to get my personality out, for me to be calm like I am right now and just like confident, Mm -hmm. I need to use alcohol Mm -hmm. as that outlet and stuff. So really like it was just like running really hard in the summer of 2011 towards like partying, drinking, hooking up with women. Mm -hmm. And I basically got to the end of myself where I was like, like scripture talks about like that, the difference between a worldly sorrow and like a sorrow that like, like, man, I hurt the heart of God. Mm. And so that was really what I came to. And so at the time I was working with uh, just these like stud believers that I didn't know about. Wow. And, and I love sharing this part. So the two people that shared the gospel with me weren't like these like big old burly, 
you know, football players or like this pastor that I've been around with, uh, there were two women that shared the gospel with me. And so I just remember they invited me to come over to their house. And at the time, I didn't know what it was, but it was a small group. Uh-huh. And so it was two women, a couple other guys. And I just remember just unloading. I didn't really know how uh-huh. to share like yeah. discreetly like everything <laughs> I've done. But I was like, this is everything I've done. Laid it out. And for the first time, I heard the gospel clearly that there is a God that is perfect and holy. And that even though that I've fallen short, he still wants a relationship with me. That's through his son, Jesus. There's nothing that I can do as a free gift through him. And so they shared that with me, and I put my faith in Christ in the summer of 2011, and I got to UT, and like I said, I redshirted that first year. So not only am I a walk-on, so I have a lot going up against me, like I'm an undersized walk-on, and I haven't even played it down, but there are guys on the team that have been discipled so well by guys like Colt McCoy, Jordan Shipley, Sam Macho, Manuel Acho, that took the time to invest in these guys mm. that they saw me and they said, Chris, you're coming with us. Wow. So there are guys on the team like uh, Michael Cruciani, the Walker brothers, uh, Jameson Berryhill, Emmanuel Acho that started bringing me around uh, the Bible studies that we had. Our team Bible study met every Thursday week before we left for Friday games. And uh, we would just chop up the word and they would point at me like, Chris, what do you think? And I'm just like so fearful. <laughs> like I've never opened up God's word. Like don't call on me. Yeah. Um, and then Jameson ended up inviting me to FCA in the spring of 2012. And I just remember being so like mortified because before when I was like a new Christian, I was still trying to like learn like my identity and like my confidence and stuff. And here's all these people are just like radical and sold out for Jesus. And I freaked out and actually didn't go the rest of the semester. I ended up coming back in the fall and God just really used that to, you know, really like bring about my maturity in him. So coming into Texas, a big university, big football program as a believer, what were some of the struggles that you even had? Sure. Maybe even just that first semester for sure, but you can talk throughout the whole your whole right. career there. But what did that look like as a new Christian? Because not even as a collegiate athlete, sure. but as a yeah. college kid. I mean, yeah. college is hard and you found a new identity the summer before high school and college. And so yeah. what, what was that like for you? Yeah. So another part that I love speaking about, especially is, you know, I disciple guys with Rice football and they're in that group yeah. right now. They're, yeah. you know, I got saved at 19. They're between 18 and 22. And for anyone that's listening to this call, like just because you put your faith in Jesus, yes, he's given you now salvation. There's this thing called sanctification now too, where it's a slow, painful process where you're growing more and more in the likeness of Jesus. But when I first got saved, I thought, okay, all my struggles are going to go away. Like I mentioned the affirmation piece where I really struggled in college, especially as a football player where I needed to hear from my dad, son, you're doing a great job. This like whole achiever mentality, like, dad, is this good enough? Mm-hmm. Like here now I'm at the University of Texas, like look at my grades, like, hey, now I'm playing, is this good enough for you? I just struggled for a long time, but needed to hear that. Even though I had that brief season before of like really running hard after alcohol, once I got saved, it was like, man, that temptation, like, am I going to get invited to these parties afterwards? And I did. And there was this like, man, like I'm going to drink and then wake up on Sunday and then go to Sunday workouts, felt terrible. Um, And there was also this idea of like, which I think a lot of people can relate to, even though I wasn't sleeping around with women, I was still going to push the envelope Mm -hmm. on that, whether it's the the heavy makeouts, Mm -hmm. the kind of getting into that or just kind of pushing that envelope. And then finally, too, just in college, you know, social media became a really big thing. So we just had like Facebook a few years before I came to college. Instagram started popping on the scene. So it really became this lust battle, too, Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't talk about. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, even though I don't struggle maybe with the scene kind of hard sins, Mm -hmm. there was this private battle going on that I really struggled with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with those guys on your team that were pouring into you, 
Did you now feel like you were in a place where you could be open with these struggles? And did you look around yeah. and be like, hey, we're all struggling with these things? Because you all have some of the same external things happening right. with being college student, college yeah. athlete, stuff like that. Did you feel like you could connect with them on those ways? Yeah, I really felt like, because like, this kind of goes back to the context of like church and community. Like when we go to church on Sunday, or even like a small group, we're around a lot of people, right? And so like we hear the gospel being shared, we hear the word and like there's conviction and stuff. But like, then there's that second part where it's like, are we pulling those people in a larger group and like doing the one-on-one meetings where vulnerability like really happens and being able to share. So I really feel like in college that I was still trying to learn a whole lot of that. There was a lot of like, which I think a lot of people can relate to sharing the 99% and not that like 1% and having just the boldness and courage and stuff. So Really, I would say like, yes, there was. But for mine, there wasn't just this consistency of saying, you know what? Like, I'm fully trusting the gospel mm-hmm. and like there's freedom in this gospel. And like, God already knows everything that I did. And he's provided graciously this community around me yeah. that literally like wants to help me mm-hmm. get to something better that he has for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting when I hear kids that become followers of Jesus, but didn't grow up in a home that that was prevalent. And, you know, you said your mom's Catholic and your dad was mm-hmm. Southern Baptist, but not really active. Yeah. What was that like going <laughs> home and <Yes>. being <laughs> different, being yeah. new? I mean, I ask people sometimes, I mean, some parents are like, I asked another girl who's coming up on the show recently, had a, a similar experience a little bit. And I said, did your parents ever go, wait, I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> so what was it, the dynamic like at your home after yes. you became a Christian? Oh, it was difficult. It was (laughs) like, I mean, there was a struggle early on and the girl I'm pursuing right now, similar background where it's like, and even hearing her story, it's like a, I felt like I was almost cheating on the Catholic church where it's like, you know, like the first church that I went to was the Austin Stone in college. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hearing Matt Carter expositionally preach the word of God. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I'm actually like learning something. And so like, for me to go home and to share like, no, like I'm actually going to church, but then I'm also like on the side, maybe Sunday slipping in a little bit, uh-huh. trying to receive communion and stuff just to kind of make mom happy yeah. and appease her. And then finally it got to my junior year. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm just going all out Bible church. Yeah. This is where I'm getting fed. This is where I'm growing. This is like the environment of which like I come to like have a relationship with God. And so like going home was difficult because it's like, you know, I'm trying to share about all the great things that God is doing on campus, but then there's always like this, like very genuine, almost like kind of undermine about like, man, uh, like for my mom, like, man, Chris, I just hope one day you marry a sweet Catholic girl. Mm -hmm. Or why don't you just come back and join us at the church sometime? Or have you been confirmed yet? So there's always like these questions Mm -hmm. out of concern from a loving mom, which was really hard because it kind of goes like this whole like, Mom never once rejected me. Mom always was very loving and accepted me, but there was always like this, like, is Chris like still a believer? Mm-hmm. Like, is Chris like yeah. still following God? And so those conversations that I found out later on, like my dad would have with my mom is like, hey, like he found the church. Like we should be excited about yeah. that. So my dad like would never say that in front of me, but he was like encouraging my yeah. mom towards that. Like, let's yeah. let them find out like this is their faith, right? Like there's that other piece about just because your parents might be stud believers and that wasn't my experience, but just because your parents were stud believers does not determine like your salvation. You still have to figure this out on your own as a kid. Mm -hmm. So this was, I can't do the math off the top of my head, eight years ago, your freshman year? 10. 10. Okay. So 10 years ago. That's (laughs) wild. So you've been a Christian for 10 years. Yes. Congrats. So almost 11 maybe. This summer will be the birthday, so I'm a 10-year-old kid in Christ. Yeah. What is a 10-year gift for an anniversary? 
gold, silver, gold? I don't know, wood. I don't I, know. <laughs> celebrate somehow. Yeah, maybe I like hunting, so maybe guns or bows <laughs> guns. or something. So, yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah, the funniest. Right. God's like, here's a gun. Thank you yes, for being a Christian. I'm trying to look for a pistol, yeah. <laughs> you know, what is becoming a believer in college? I also became a believer in college. Nice. Um, I yeah. had a different story than yours because I grew up growing to church. My parents are believers, but didn't really follow him until after college, after year I was 21. Right. But I know that even I can look at my life and see the ways that God had prepared me for things that were coming up. And I know that you've had a difficult past year yep. and other difficulties previously. Sure, yeah. How has your faith in Jesus, what has it been like? And you can share whatever you want about sure. which struggles or whatever you've walked through, yeah. but how has Jesus sustained you through those times? Right. Yeah. So just to to fill, I guess, everyone in the last four years, it's been one of the hardest, I think, times that I've been in my life. I think that where I really grew, right, like there's a, this whole idea of like, if I'm a Christian, I think this is like, and I'm, I'm kind of going off a little bit, but it has a point. There's this idea of like, there's no more prosperity gospel. It's kind of like the popularity gospel mm-hmm. where it's like, everything's going so well for me. I'm seen in the limelight. I got saved and now things are great. But it's like, really, man, I got saved 10 years ago and it's been actually like really hard. Mm-hmm. And just having like to walk through that, I tell people all the time where when I open up God's word now, when I read the Psalms, when I read the Proverbs, when I read the Gospels, like I understand God experientially now. It just doesn't just like fall off the pages. When God says like, hey, love on your enemies, well, I'm like, how can I ever love all my enemies if I didn't experience having enemies? Mm. When God says, hey, I'm going to be with you in grief and sorrow if I never experienced all of that or abandonment or just even just failure, mm. right? Like getting away from myself that I have to be this like great achiever all the time that like, no, I've experienced like some bad failure before too. But yet God has been faithful through that where he's like, pick me up again. He's like, all right, I got better for you. Like, I'm still going to stay with you. So I've been able to understand, like Psalm 36 says, God's loving kindness stretches to the heavens, his faithfulness to the skies. Like, I've been able to, like, to experience that. So, yeah, in the last four years, you know, experienced a divorce, experienced the loss of my mother, experienced the loss of my father. So really, if you look at, like, the top stressors that go on in a person's life, it's like one and two right there. But yet I sit here today and say that like, God is really good. Mm-hmm. And and if we if you just allow God to enter into that, like he has some very special things, even despite that, mm-hmm. some special things to really like create a lot of beauty out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started, you called yourself an undercover pastor, yes. which I love <laughs> so much. And yeah. so as you're working with college kids, what do you see? Like, what's the encouragement for what's happening on college campuses right. with Jesus and what he's doing? Yeah. So the encouragement is this. I just ended up texting some studs that I keep up with on the team. The encouragement is this. And I tell our guys this all the time. When we feel discouraged about sharing our faith on campus or with our players, or with coaches, don't be discouraged. Mm. So the thing like I saw was on Instagram the other day and I saw one of my former teammates and this guy, like one of the biggest knuckleheads on the team, suspended all the time, the drugs, alcohol suspensions. And then he's sitting there on Instagram, like pulling up his phone and he's sharing parables that Jesus would share. He's mm. like, he was sharing the story about Lazarus and the rich man just this morning. I pulled it up. And so then he's like sharing the gospel. He's sharing the story about Jesus leaving the 99 and coming for the one. And I'm sitting there DMing him like, bro, this is awesome. But like in college, like 10 years ago, he didn't want anything to do with it. Mm. And so that's the encouraging part for us is like, even when we feel like this kid's just not getting it, like our job is just to like, to be present, Mm. to be willing and ready to be used by God and just to literally say like, Hey, here's the word of God. A lot of times at Rice, even at UT when I was there, 
uh, very few times am I just like running around like, hey, this Bible verse and that Bible verse, like, yes, that's helpful because the word of God doesn't return void. But a lot of times, like we even shared this past week on Sunday, people experience God through the way that you love them and your mm-hmm. kindness. Football is a dark world, like very many other sectors. And guys see that by the way that you talk and interact with them. And so for them to look back years from now, say like something was different about mm-hmm. coach. And then that's the cool part. That's the encouraging part. So it's so good. I interviewed Derwin Gray, who's a pastor at Transformation Church. Yeah, I've heard of him before. Yeah, yeah. he's a great guy. He was on the Encounter Series a couple of weeks ago, and he was also a football player and played in the league for a while. And his story reminds me of what you're saying. He found Jesus through watching someone else's life yes. on the team. Yeah, you know, and it makes me think like just the way that we underestimate the way that we actually get to be a living sacrifice for God, and that right. we get to show people through our lives what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you were in that summer before you came to Texas, when you got saved, did you ever have a moment of Mm -hmm. wondering, can I be this Christian that I'm seeing in that small group? You see those ladies and you see the people Uh and you, you know, word vomit all of your sin. (laughs) Did you ever worry? Because I know a lot of people coming to Jesus can worry. I don't know that I can live up to what I'm supposed to be. And now we know grace and we know all the things. Did you struggle with that at all? I really did. Like early on, I thought it was like this kind of like VIP club. Mm -hmm. Like what's popular right now? Like Bitcoin's popular right now. I still have no idea about Bitcoin. I don't understand. If you could explain (laughs) it to me and we could each make a million dollars, I'd be happy. But I do not understand Bitcoin. I don't understand it. It's like this like secret club and like, you know, some coaches I'm talking to, they already know all about them. Like, can I be included? And so that's how I felt like when I was a Christian, mm. I'm like, can someone just like teach me how to do this? Cause like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think it was just simply, which it is. It's like, I knew I needed to put my faith and trust in Jesus to cover everything I did in the past, present, and future. But then there comes in that discipleship piece, which I'm so passionate about now as a coach, where it's like you literally need a buddy to come Mm. alongside you and teach you. So that was like the anxiety at first. I was like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, how do I ride this bike? Like, you know, how do I go from here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier before we started recording about a young player that you were able to disciple and you mentioned discipleship right now. And I think that some people listen and they hear that and they go, okay, that's cool for Chris. I don't know how to get that. Like, how do I get someone to disciple me? Or even how do I disciple someone? Absolutely. How do people go find someone to disciple them? I think people just make it so complicated. They really do. I think early on, especially as a believer, like, you know, you hear in the church, like, hey, like, not only should you be a disciple, but you need to go out and disciple. So it's like, same question. I was like, well, I don't have a PhD in Bible. Like, if I open up the word, like, what if I say something wrong? But what I found over the years, you know, and someone asked me recently, like, who are the top three influential people in your life? And, you know, my best friend here in Austin, Mike, my mentor, Rob Bergman, and then my pastor down in Houston, Matt Carter, and just getting to spend time, like, and Matt would tell you this too, like, when him and I talk, it's not him saying, Chris, guess what I learned about theology this week. Mm -hmm. It's not that. And it can look like that. Like some people really benefit from like, hey, like, and I've asked my mentor before, hey, I read this. Like, what is your interpretation of that? But discipleship literally is like including people into your life. Like Mm -hmm. I've learned more about what it means to be a husband and a man of God in the marriage context and taking care of a family with my mentors, Rob and Lori Bergman, Mm. and just seeing how they interact and them being open and sharing that. I've learned how to be gentle in my speech, how to treat someone kindly through Rob. I've learned how to, you know, maybe like eloquently preach the word of God through Matt and just like him being cool. Like he'll invite me out to go hunt and fish. Like that's discipleship too, Mm -hmm. just including people in those day-to-day kind of things and them seeing you live out and walk out your life as a Christian. I think you're so right. We make it so much more complicated than (laughs) it is. And I heard someone one time describe discipleship is just teaching someone what you just learned and so like it's not even like oh i have to know everything it's like what is god teaching me and how can 
I teach that yes. to the person that I'm hanging out with? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like you take you unload all your laundry for the week. There's that check in, like how's your week going? There's that healthy checkup, and then that person who might be more spiritually wise or just kind of in a different season than you, they're able to like counsel you and help direct you through the lens of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing where they're able to apply what they've been learning, they've been reading, and apply it to your specific situation. Yeah. So. You know, Chris, we have a lot more college kids that listen to the show these days, which I'm so happy about nice. because sometimes I feel like, you know, my I, favorite group. I literally could be their mom, but I love <laughs> yeah. them so much as well. Right. And they're just changing the world on their campuses. Sure and so I think I want to ask you if there's a college kid listening, girl, boy, whatever, and they're walking in, especially going to be a freshman next year. Yeah. And, you know, what I remember about going to college a long time ago is I felt as though I could go and I could become whoever I wanted to be. Right. It was like this season where I'm like, yes. I can leave behind what my parents want me to be and right. I get to be what I wanted to be. For me in particular, that was not, I didn't make good choices. But for those college kids heading into college, what is like your just encouragement to help them get plugged in and maybe choose to find an, a Christian organization sure. versus something else? Yeah, my encouragement would be this. And I heard like a crazy stat, like, and I don't remember all six, but like really like the age group that they are in right now, they will or are about to go the first like four like life transformational things. Their their high school graduation, college graduation, and then they're probably getting ready to meet their spouse and then get their first job. So that's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, like later on, there's like retirement and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, those are the other two. But like those first four, those happen in their age group. In their 20s, yeah. And so... My encouragement would be because I'm even thinking of like in the context of like there's people who are very outgoing. They're like, yeah, like invite me to any party or any mm-hmm. group, like go and do it. Like they're like in college, there are a lot of like fun and great things to do without having to jump into like the deep like party scene mm-hmm. or like here in Austin, like the sixth street or whatever. Like you can have a lot of fun as a believer. And I even think of like in Austin, they're like, there's like Travis, there's Paddleboard. There's a lot of fun to be had. So my encouragement would be like, if you don't come from that, like, Really like change the playground that you've been in and then change your playmates. So find a new environment, find like new friends to be around because they're willing and ready to invite you and accept you. And then even the people that are like maybe a little bit more like shy or not as outgoing, like there's some awesome people that will just do like one-on-one hangouts or meetings or super low key and just hanging out, like find that, like it's ready and available for you. And then if you get a no from somebody, like keep asking, like that's a part of my story too. When I started in my first professional job, I was living in East Texas, working in South Dallas and my church was like in Dallas. So it's like this weird triangle. And I asked two mentors, one's a pastor over at the village church. Now Uh, he was working at SMU at the time. And I asked him and I asked a couple other guys, I was like, Hey, would you mind discipling me? And because of their schedules and then being a part of a family, like, Hey, Chris, like we really can't with your schedule. And so my story too, is like, I got frustrated and just stopped asking, Mm. but I would just say this, like there are people that are like chomping at the bit ready to like have a buddy and bring them along keep asking to find that Chris, I love hearing your story and how God has transformed your life in particularly that summer and then even throughout the last couple of years as you're continuing to grow. Sure. This has been, you mentioned a hard year for you, losing both of your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a hard year for a lot of people mm-hmm. just in general, and it might not even include the death of a, a loved one. Right. What, and I know Jesus is the answer, but what has sustained you through this last year right. of walking through just 
a season of your so you losing your parents yeah. so young, both of them within the same year. I think what sustained me is really taken, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, like the Lord is the foundation of that. Even before this call, I was thinking about like the spirit just put on my mind, the story about Jesus like, hey, like make sure your foundation is set and secure, like really deep because mm-hmm. those storms are coming. And I think that's the encouragement for everyone listening. It's like, hey, whether you're a believer or not, storms are coming. Yeah. So you better have your foundation strong and know the rock on which you stand, which is Jesus first and be intimate and follow him. The second thing is this, like it's really like God graciously has provided, you know, a team of people. So it's been my professional counselor in Dallas. It's been my team physician at Rice. So I mentioned walking through some severe depression. So God has graciously provided medicine Mm -hmm. as well, too, like in dealing with that. He's provided my pastor down in Houston, Matt Carter. He's provided community. He's provided just like buddies mm-hmm. to hang out with. So things that have sustained me is like just being vulnerable in like a safe setting and just sharing about like, hey, unloading all my laundry, right? Like wherever yeah. I'm, this is everything that I'm thinking and experiencing in the safety of that. And then also too, like just being around people that know you best, like what's going to make you happy? And just to kind of like lift up your spirits, whether it's like my buddy who I've been seeing every Saturday in Austin, we just go smash weights for two hours in Austin. Mm -hmm. And so just inviting people in that and not like the Proverbs say, like just Xing out, you know, community and stuff and then drawing from that. Mm -hmm. Like the wisdom is this, like pushing more into that, the people that that God's provided for you. Yeah. Chris, I love your story. And I love Mm -hmm. every time I hear someone share their story, it's encouraging because I can see the way that God has sustained you through the last four years in Mm -hmm. particular that you've walk through and I can see the faithfulness of God on your life and I can't Mm -hmm. help but also think when I hear your story of how kind God is is. to prepare people who are already at your football program who are already having experiences already encountering Jesus and they're like hey come on you're coming with us and they just pour (laughs) into you and I think we as believers can't forget how valuable it is to look around who's coming in my influence whether at my job my college Mm -hmm. campus my school where I work my kids you know daycare where I drop my kid wherever it might be how do I pull them in and just spend time mentoring them as well yeah Chris thank you for coming in today thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me on hook them Hook them and hoot them. And hoot them. <laughs> that sounds even worse. Yes. Uh, thanks Go for coming out. on. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, I had fun having Chris in the office. And let me tell you, I had to hold back all my football questions because I just wanted to know all of the things about college football. I love it so much. And I love how God has captured his heart and he sees his job. He's a pastor in disguise. And I love that so very much. Guys, if something in these episodes struck a chord with you and you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus and give your life to him and you want a Bible and you don't have one, we would love to gift you with a Bible. Send us an email at jamieivy.com. We will make sure that you get a Bible in your hands. Today's show was edited by the team at Podshaper. The show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing's produced by Lindsay Sweeney, and I'm your host, Jamie Ivey. You guys, have a happy hour with a friend.